Well, good morning. Let's begin in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. In Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, we are called to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, not to lean on our own understanding, but to lean on His, to lean on His understanding. In all of our ways, we've been called to acknowledge Him in full assurance of faith that He will direct our paths. In Proverbs 3, 7, we are called Not to be wise in our own eyes, but to fear the Lord and to depart from evil or to turn from evil. And then we have the precious promise of obedience in verse 8. It will be health to our flesh and strength to our bones. This morning as we think about turning away from evil, the expression that we find in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7, I'd like to frame it against the backdrop of the gospel of Jesus Christ and say to all of us this morning that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in light of Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7 is that in your life you are going to have a lot of opportunity to turn away from evil. I want to introduce uh, three scriptures to you for your consideration this morning as we think about the call to turn to Jesus, to turn away from evil. And and I want to bring to your attention Hebrews chapter 5, specifically verse 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 33, and James chapter 3, verse 16. In Hebrews chapter 5, what we have is some some Jews that have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and at this point in their life in Christ, they are being tempted. They are being deceived into thinking that they ought to go back to Moses instead of continuing on with Jesus. And part of the reason why that deception was having so much success in their lives is because they had not been exercising their powers of discernment and they had not been trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There is a lot of confusion in the world that we live in today. There's moral confusion, there's gender confusion, there is confusion as regards to to an individual's sexuality and what we have in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33 is, is a principle it's within a context, but it's a, it's a fundamental truth about God himself. God is not the author of confusion. He is not the author of instability. He is not the author of disorder or disturbance. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And so in James chapter 3, verse 16, we read about confusion, and every evil thing. The true and living God is not about confusion. The true and living God is not about every evil thing. Confusion and every evil thing 
is evidence of the absence of God. When we think about the world in which we live in and why it looks like the way it it looks, Romans chapter 1 beginning in verse 28 explains it to us. And so Romans chapter 1 beginning in verse 18, it was written in the first century, but it could have well been written this morning about the days of our lives. Romans 1 beginning in verse 18, present tense, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. And it's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they and we and you and me and us and all of us are without excuse. Because although they knew God, and, and, and although people today have the opportunity to know God, they didn't glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, pride versus humility, professing to be wise, they became fools. And in their foolishness, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And verse 24 tells us that this mattered to God. And so in his wrath, present tense, verse 18, in the revealing of his wrath in the present tense, here what we have in Romans 1 verse 24 is the wrath of, of abandonment. If you choose to eliminate God from your thinking and your speech and your behavior, then He will give you up and and then you will find yourself in a position to think anything and to talk about anything and, and to do anything. Even things that God would say to his people in the days of Jeremiah, y'all are doing things that never even entered into my mind. So in verse 24, what did God do to these, these folks that fall into this category? He gave them up. And what he gave them up to was the world in which we live today. The moral confusion and the gender confusion and the sexuality confusion. He gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, which is what Adam and Eve did in Genesis chapter 3. And these in Romans 1 verses 18 through the following, they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever Amen. And so for this reason, God gave them up. And he gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Does anybody need a... Do we need to pause here and... Just for the sake of understanding, does anybody need a commentary to understand what those words mean? I mean, we know what those words mean, don't we? I mean, we live in a culture now in which we all find ourselves in, in, in Romans 1 verse 32. You know, we've gone from, from, from don't ask to don't tell to 
Not only do I want you to ask, because I want to tell you, but I don't, I don't want to just coexist with you anymore. I want you to accept and approve and celebrate all of these choices that I am making. That's where we are in America in April of 2023. And so verse 28, even though they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, here's the thing. He still is. (laughs) His heart didn't stop beating. He, he He didn't die because of this. And just because some folks choose not to acknowledge him, that doesn't mean that, that, that they're somehow exempt now from his reality and his will for their lives. And so even though they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge, here's what he did. Wrath of abandonment. He gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God. It is possible to know the righteous judgment of God because he's revealed it from the beginning. God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of this tree, and if you do, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And dying thou shalt die is how that Hebrew expression could literally be translated, dying thou shalt die. And that is precisely what happened. The physical process of, of dying began as they exited east of Eden. But they died spiritually because death by definition is just, is just separation. They died spiritually that day because sin separated them from God. And so what did God do when he, when he punished them? He followed through with what he said. And so we just keep reading the creation account. And what do we have? We have people that their entire minds were, were just bent on evil continuously. And God said, okay, that's enough of that. But Noah found grace, and so Noah and his family, they were spared. But God, from the beginning, has communicated, yeah, I'm, I'm right serious about judging sin. Remember Adam and Eve, they didn't get to live in the garden anymore. Remember all those people that all they wanted to think about was evil? Well, they drowned. And remember Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, there's, young people, there's a reason why one of the words that is used to describe the type of behavior that we've, read, that we've read here, there's a reason why it's called sodomy. And it's because of Sodom and Gomorrah and what they were doing that prompted God to reveal His wrath in time, that prompted God in... And we're, we're only in Genesis 19 at this point. There's 50 chapters in Genesis. We haven't even got halfway through. And God is just continually communicating, listen, I'm I'm righteous and my judgment is righteous. Verse 32, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things, they are deserving of death. And that's one of the things right there that we need to just kind of pause and get right with God about. you, you, You are not... God. And one of the things that that means about you is that you are not love. 
So in, in 1 John 4, when we read twice in 1 John 4 that God is love, here's what that means. It means that if, that if God were water, if those verses said God is water, if we touched God, what would happen to our hand? It'd get wet, wouldn't it? That's who God is. He is love. So don't think that you're going to out-love God. Don't think that you're going to love a person that he himself created in his image, that he himself sustains by the word of his power. Don't think that you are going to out-love him when it comes to your love for that person. If God says that that person is deserving of death and he takes their life, then he is right. Knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them. Confusion in every evil thing, that is evidence of the absence of God. And the fact of the matter is, God does not want us to be confused about what is good and about what is evil. So, for example, from the beginning, God has assigned gender. And and from the beginning, females have given birth. And at the moment a baby is born, from the beginning, someone has said... Either it's a boy or it's a girl. And this was determined, beloved, by simply looking. Professing to be wise. There are those in our culture who are communicating their foolishness. From the beginning, God has spoken concerning human sexuality. And from the beginning, God has communicated that marriage is to be between a man and a woman whom God himself has joined together. And this is the only relationship in which sexual activity is not sinful, immoral, or defiled. That is why it is referred to as lawfully wedded or unlawful, it is not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife, John the Baptist told Herod. And he removed his head because of it. Because he didn't like what he was saying. Because it didn't make him feel good about what he was thinking and what he had done and what he was doing with someone that God had not joined himself to. And so the simplicity of this for us as as it's been revealed to us by the God who who is love, through Jesus who, who is the truth, through the Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of truth, through the Word of God that is truth, is the call for us as the people of God. For such a time as this, number one, to discern between good and evil. Number two... And that's Hebrews 5.14, which we've read. Number two, the call is don't do evil. 1 Corinthians 15 is a a special text. We're going to spend some time uh, in that chapter together this week. We're going to devote all of our attention Monday night, tomorrow night, to verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. In verse 34, 
to the church of God, chapter 1, verse 1. To the, to, the, to, the, to the individual members, male and female, of, 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 of the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Acts 18, 8, that had obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. What, what do we have in, 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 in 1 Corinthians? We have a church that is just suffering because their culture is is being led by the deceiver, and the deceiver is using the culture to, to encourage them to conform to the culture and not to the Christ that they belong to, that they have given to their, their lives to by faith. And so what you have is just, it's just one problem after another in 1 Corinthians, and here's the problem, here's the solution. And so at the end of the day, 1 Corinthians 15, 34 is in the context of a conversation that's in 1 Corinthians 15, but 1 Corinthians 15, 34 is really essentially the theme of the entire letter, Stop sinning. <laughs> Wake up. I mean, we live in a culture that is calling us to be woke, but God's been awake all this time. And the fact of the matter is, that's one of the things that separates him from false gods. He doesn't sleep nor slumber. And that's what Elijah was doing on the battle of the gods on Mount Carmel. He was saying, well, maybe your God is asleep. Our God has been wide awake this entire time. And he has called us to wake up to him. He's called us to wake up to his righteousness and not to sin. So the simplicity of all this, here's what we need to do in regards to the call to turn away from evil. We need to learn to discern between good and evil, and we don't need to do evil. And Romans 1.32 that we have read, we don't need to encourage others to do evil. In 2 Corinthians 11, we refer to that passage. It talks about the, the, the devil transforming himself, Satan transforming himself into an angel of light. And so his appearance, he's deceiving. And in his words, he deceives. And one of the things that is also said in 2 Corinthians 11 is, I, I don't want you to be removed from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. This is the simplicity of of Jesus Christ as it pertains to how we need to live in the United States of America in 2023. We need to turn away from evil. And that's going to mean that we need to discern between what is good and what is evil. And that means that we don't need to do evil. And that means that we don't need to encourage others to do evil. For example, don't be confused about the beginning of life. In Luke chapter 1 and in verse 31, when the angel Gabriel was explaining to Mary what God was about to do with her and in, in her and through her, I want you to see the word in Luke chapter 1 verse 31 that God had the angel Gabriel use when he sent him to tell Mary, you are going to give birth to the Christ of prophecy. Isaiah 7, 14, you're going to be the virgin of that prophecy. And your son is going to be Emmanuel. He's going to be God with us. And you're going to call his name Jesus because the word Jesus means Savior. And that's what he's going to come to do. He's going to come to save. 
And the word that I want you to see in Luke 1 verse 31 is the word conceive. John 1 14, the word became flesh when the Holy Spirit overpowered Mary. And he was conceived in her womb. That's what God says about when life begins. It begins at conception. And when we flesh all that out, what we see is that God is is the God of life. And what we see in Jesus is that He is the life. And what we see in the Holy Spirit is, is the Spirit of life who breathes life and gives life. And so when we look at Jesus and we consider those passages that communicate to us that He is the good physician... Let me tell you something about the good physician. He doesn't do abortions. And he doesn't do abortions because that's not good. That is evil. That is not of God. And so as we learn to discern between the good and the, and the evil of that, number one, don't get an abortion. And number two, don't encourage others to get and abortion. How do we apply these three simple things in the world in which we live? Well, for example, don't be confused about your gender. No reason to be confused about that. If I had gone to school one day and come home at the end of the day and told my dad, I said, Dad, I think I am a woman. My dad would have said to me, No, you're not son. And that would have been the end of it. We live in a world today in which our kids are going to school and their teachers are telling them, Okay. And their counselors are telling them, Okay. And their principals are telling them, okay. And their entire peer group is telling them, okay. And lawyers and judges and professional medical people are telling them, okay. If we don't tell them, no. Who will? It is not loving to lie to your children, to deceive your children. And I want to tell you, there are just some very uncomfortable conversations that you are going to have to have with your kids that, quite frankly, David and, and Leland shouldn't be having with your kids. It's not their role or their responsibility. And it's not the shepherd's role to, to have these hard conversations with your kids. But I tell you what, what your preachers need to do, and I'll tell you what your elders need to do, and I'll tell you what all of us need to do when we come into these situations where we have our own who are struggling with these things. We need to love them enough to tell them the truth. And we need to shepherd them through that deception We need to shepherd them through that that evil and that wickedness and we need to lead them to Jesus. Don't be concerned about your gender. Don't get gender reassignment surgery. And don't encourage others to transition. 
For example, don't be confused about your sexual temptations. The fact of the matter is, you cannot participate in sexual activity with whoever you want to participate in sexual activity with. From the beginning, God has spoken concerning that. And there is only one relationship in which you can participate in sexual activity and it not be sinful, that it not be evil. Don't have a sexual relationship with anyone who is not your lawfully wedded wife or your lawfully wedded husband. And don't encourage others to yield to their temptations to sin. And we could go on and on and on, just one example after another. But beloved, this is the simplicity of it. Turn away from it. Don't encourage others to do it. And the devil is going to... There's nothing new under the sun. None of what we're dealing with today is new. It it has been here from from the beginning. It, it, it It was a part of every Christian's experience in the first century. But what's different about today? Well, the devil has changed the packaging. He's deceiving us with different colors. (laughs) he's hijacked the sign that God put in the sky to communicate that he wouldn't release his righteous judgment on earth again in a flood. He's he's repackaged all of this in a new form, but the lies and the deceptions are all the same. If you take notes, if you're a young person and and you take notes, wherever you, you take a note, However you remember things, write this down, hide this in your heart, and this will serve you well all of your life. If something is good, it is of God. G-O-D. G-O-O-D. I want to tell you, the reason why my sermons are simple is because I'm simple. I mean, I, I grew up in a place in which there weren't teachers and counselors and principals and medical professionals. And I was walking home one day from school and I was walking home with some guys that I had become friends with and they, they were rough. I knew that they were rough, but they lived in a, in a house down from my house. We lived on the same street. So I'm walking home with them one day and, and the bus driver is, is driving towards us. And so she sees us that we're driving on the street. Well, well the bus driver just happened to be a Christian. This is somebody I've known in my entire life. And, and she's driving down the road, and she knows these boys. I mean, I grew up in a very small town. Everybody knows everybody. And she sees me walking with these guys. And as she's driving toward, towards, towards us in the bus, I can see the look on her face. And she is saying to me, as she is attempting to make eye contact with me, No! No, that's right. <laughs> Amen. I know that a lot of us don't have that blessing today. I know a lot of our young people don't have that blessing today. I, I'm very thankful for that. We're going to talk about that tomorrow night. Bad company corrupts good morals. You've got to be careful. You can't be deceived into thinking that it doesn't matter who your friends are. 
from the beginning, God has been defining good and evil. And, and from the beginning, God has been saying to us, listen, everything that's good is of me. And the second thing you need to write down and remember is that everything that is evil, it's of the devil. D-E-V-I-L. The reason why my lessons are so simple is because I'm simple. And I'm not trying to, to be more than I am in how I, in how I present what I understand God's will to be for our lives. And so from the beginning, God's just been saying to us, listen, this is good for you. And uh, if you obey these things, you're going to have strength to your flesh and health to your bones. I'm going to bless you in time. You're going to have an abundant life, John 10, 10. But the way of the transgressor is hard, and you be sure that your sin will find you out. And if you want to listen to these lies and be deceived and actively participate in all this, in all this deception that he's going to attack you with, then, you know, you can find out. And that's why the call for every one of us is to repent. To repent about the, the bad discernments that we have made and to understand that there are some things that are just morally wrong. There is right and, and, and there is wrong. There is lawful. There is unlawful. There are things that are of virtue and there are things that are sinful. There are things that are, that are righteous and there is unrighteous. There, there are things that are godly and there are things that are godless. There are things that are hostile to God. And we need to learn to discern between those things. And we need to have the humility to say, I have sinned. In Jeremiah's day, there were the people among the people of God that, that, that didn't have the heart to say, I have sinned. I have been wrong about what I thought about this. I have said things that I shouldn't have said about this. And I have behaved in ways that I shouldn't have behaved. In Jeremiah's day, in Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 6, there were people who were saying to God, and I quote, What have I done? What have I done that was sinful? And they found out. And we'll talk about that on Friday night. The lesson, please obey, is about Jeremiah's day and the people of God that were saying things like, what have I done? Well, they found out. They found out the hard way what they, what they had done. And the reason why that lesson is called, please obey, is because that's what Jeremiah says to King Zedekiah. He says, listen, please, please change your thinking about this. Please change what you're saying about this. Please change what you're doing. And the horror show that occurs after his unwillingness to repent is a horror show that could have absolutely been avoided if he would have humbled himself in the sight of the Lord and just simply said to him, I repent. So the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we're going to have a lot of opportunity to turn away from evil, but it's not God's will that we just turn away from evil. The, the, the church at Thessalonica, they had turned from idols, but they had turned from idols to serve the true and living God, 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, and 10. And so here's what's going to happen when, when you turn away from evil and you turn to Jesus. You, you're going to find goodness, real goodness, not deceptive goodness, not deceptive love. You're going to find authentic goodness, real, genuine. And you're going to find grace for every sin. You're going to find mercy for every transgression. 
what you're going to find in the one that you have sinned against is that nobody loves you more. When the rich young ruler went away sorrowful, I believe that the most sorrowful person that was involved in that was Jesus. It wasn't Jesus' will for the rich young ruler to go away. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And in love, he told the rich young ruler, here's what you need to hear. I love you so much that this is what you need to hear. You're too focused on your riches, you're too focused on your youth, and you're too focused on your power. And what you need to do is you need to sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. And unless you, this is not a one-size-fits-all, this is Jesus talking to this particular individual person saying, this is what you need to do. And he wasn't willing to do it. And so he went away sorrowful because, yeah, he wanted Jesus, but he wanted all this other stuff too. And the fact of the matter is, in his case, couldn't have both. It's got to be one or the other. Now we're back to that binary choice again that has always been God's way from the beginning. What you're going to find in Him is somebody who loves you despite what you've done to Him, against Him. If you have had an abortion, there is forgiveness if you have struggled with your sexuality, there is forgiveness and there is clarity available in Him. If you have suffered with sexual immorality, see the event in John the 8th chapter. Here's a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and they were playing games. You know they are. They didn't bring the man. They only brought the woman. And so Jesus is riding on the ground and He says to them, He who is without sin cast the first stone. And I tell you, there would have been some people in Jeremiah 8, they would have thrown the stone at her because their heart was so hard, they said, what have I done? I haven't done anything. Here's a rock against your head. Have that. But at least those men in John the the 8 chapter, at least they had enough conscience left that one by one they dropped the rocks. And And when they were gone and it was just Jesus in this woman who was guilty of sexual immorality, what did she find in him? She found forgiveness and she found encouragement. And what did he say to her? Go and sin no more. He didn't say, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, just, you know, you got one life to live, go live it. (laughs) Stop doing that. Discern good and evil. Stop doing that particular thing. Don't encourage others to do it. And I tell you what we find in Jesus is just help. We find help for the moment, which is the point of Hebrews, the fourth chapter, before we get to this business of y'all are thinking about leaving Jesus because you aren't discerning things. Listen, there is grace and there is mercy and it is available for you in your time of need. Help is available and that is what we do in prayer. We just call out to our great God, for the help that is available to us if we would just ask Him. And it goes back to this father-son relationship that we have, right? There's sometimes that I don't know that my kids need help and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to help them. And so when they tell me what's wrong, what do I do as a, as a good dad? I help them. And sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes we don't know that you're struggling with sin, whatever form the sin takes.
And that is part of why God has called us together in fellowship because we can see one another and we can touch one another and we can look at one another, not with judgmental faces, but with love. We can look at one another and we can say, Jesus will forgive you. Jesus will help you. The Spirit will give you the strength and the comfort that you need to overcome this and we will be here for you every step of the way to encourage you to discern between the the good and the evil here. And we will be here with you to help you to resist the temptation. And, and the more you resist, the more you will be an encouragement to others in, in not encouraging them to participate in the same sin. And all of this will be to the glory of God. And when Jesus comes again, what we will see in Him is not the wrath of abandonment, but we will see the love in His face that we have only seen by faith. And we will behold His glory, the glory of His love forever and ever and ever. That's the hope that we have. And that hope can be yours if you'll just repent. That's all He's calling you to do. Change your mind about what you're doing that's sinful. And when you change your mind, He's going to give you the strength and He's going to help you to change your behavior. And as you change your mind and you change your behavior, you're going to change your speech. And that beautiful way of living is going to glorify God and it's going to attract others to Jesus and it's going to give others the hope that they too can overcome the sin that has so easily ensnared them. If we can help you to obey the gospel or to repent of sin, won't you come to the front while we stand and sing this song, The Armor of Life.